Welcome to The Daily Process. This is a podcast about navigating our beautifully stimulating world by practicing self-care while living an imperfectly balanced life. We're your hosts, Samantha Gatowski and Natalie Myers. We sit down to cultivate conversations about self-reflection, healthy relationships, self-improvement, self-care, and all the shit in between. So this whole idea started after bonding over the grueling, ugly, but necessary work we put into bettering ourselves. We feel called to speak about our personal growth and self-care tips with the hopes to create a community featuring deeper and not-so-easy conversations. And we look forward to hosting conversations with pioneers in the self-care community to further our education with hopes you can learn something too. So click, subscribe, grab a beverage, and level up with a daily process. Welcome to episode number five, and we sit down with Tom Crest today. Hello. Hi, <laughs> Tom, what's happening? Oh, not much. I'm enjoying a great summer in Elk Rapids right now, my summer job. Normally, I'm a teacher in uh, Grand Rapids, so I get to get away for the summers and be up here in beautiful Elk Rapids for the summer. That's amazing. So you're at White Birch Lodge, which I used to live at, and that's how we met. And right. probably through some sort of pontoon cruise until midnight, <laughs> where like, we aren't let off the pontoon. <laughs> you guys are giving me FOMO right now. And, you can't, you. and you can't talk about Kanye. And <laughs> I thought you were supposed to talk about Kanye. <laughs> It just really riles the group up. <laughs> Must be an inside joke. <laughs> so how long have you been spending your summers in Elk Rapids at the Lodge? So a really long time. This, this would be my 11th summer working here. So uh, when we, we hire people once they graduate high school. So when I graduated high school in 2010, I started working here that summer and I've been up here ever since. Um, mostly, you know, in college, you have the summer off, and then I became a teacher, so I still had the summer off. So I've been lucky to just continue to come up here. But um, my family started vacationing here when I was six, so I've been spending at least a week up here for most of the life I can remember. Dang. Do you think that your experience there was the reason that you went into teaching, or was it kind of you wanted to teach, and so you got into doing the camp to kind of get guide you there? What was the relation there? Great question. It's kind of like a little bit of both. So when I was deciding what to do for college, I always had education in my mind, but then just decided not to start that way. So when I started college, I was uh, in the business school and I spent a year and a half taking terribly boring and difficult business classes and, uh, then spent some time after a year and a half kind of trying to think about what I actually wanted to do. I kind of chose business as just a fallback sort of thing. I didn't really have anything in high school that interested me in a huge way. So I just chose something different. Like I didn't take very many business school classes in high school. So it just sounded like something different to try. And so anyway, didn't like it. So, but I did think back to some of my experiences, my first few years at Whitebridge, especially like teaching kids how to water ski and interacting with the kids and just watching kind of like how much they can look up to you just for such simple things. So that definitely factored into my decision when I was kind of doing some soul searching to figure out where to go next. I already love this because this is what we talk a lot about when it comes to self-care and self-journey, you know, finding what actually lights you up and what your passion is and you started with one thing and realized like, hey, what am I good at? Wait, I do this anyways. Why right. don't I get paid to do it? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Which I think is so funny because that typically is what college is for. But I kind of wish that happened in high school. Like I know. The feeling called to something through the exposure of life experiences and classes. But I mean, that's the best case scenario. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. 
unfortunately. I have a business minor, so I know those very boring classes you speak of. <laughs> yeah. And you know what really tripped me off? I was always really, really good at math in high school. And the accounting classes are what killed me. And that made me so mad. It's like, why, why am I bad at the really <laughs> math classes in business school? And the other ones I'm okay with, it really frustrated me. And I think that was one of the biggest reasons why. It's like, if I can't even do the math part of this, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> See you later. Yeah. If I can't even count my money. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so 2020 pandemic, you're a teacher. I'm assuming mm-hmm. you have now retired. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're on um, a sabbatical since March. So, yeah, how basically. Was, yeah. How was that for you? You know, it was it was a tough transition at first. So obviously when we when we heard about all the news coming down in like early March, it happened to be kind of right before our spring break. So the the crazy thing about the whole thing was how your mindset changed so much because of how much everything was unknown. So we went into this the whole quarantine saying, Okay, we're gonna do two weeks of online learning and then we have spring break. And at that point in early March, we were like hopeful that it would be those three weeks and then we'd be back in school. Mm-hmm. That after our spring break, everything would be normal again. And then, you know, as everybody knows, that's not what happened. So we just had to kind of keep shifting our mindset. But um, it was a lot more difficult just because none of us are used to planning out our full lessons online and just not having that interaction is, is really tough. So, yeah, those three months were um not ideal. And I think any teacher would tell you that. Any student would tell you that too. Um, and it, you know, it got boring sitting at home all day. Because right. once I got kind of used to the swing of things, planning lessons and recording videos and all that, once I figured out kind of the process, it really was like less of my time being taken up by school. You know, I wasn't getting there at 7.30 and getting home at five every day. I was waking up at nine, starting some work, doing some video meetings with kids, and then wrapping up by like three or four in the afternoon. So there were parts of it where it was like, man, this is a little bit less time consuming. But um, I guess the worst part was like, most teachers will tell you the part of their job that they that they do not like the most, it's not grading papers and planning the next lesson. That's not the fun part. <laughs> the fun part is, you know, interacting with the kids, the the fact that every day is different the unpredictability of it and that is what was taken away and kind of just left with the the behind the scenes work that's not really very enjoyable so you know it worked out not ideal right I feel for teachers and students and parents like I think from the outside vision you guys basically just had to completely switch gears on Friday and then be like, Oh, now you're completely teaching online on Monday. <laughs> you're like, mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Let me just do that. Yep. Quick line I've never done before. Yeah. <laughs> right. And the kids hadn't done it before either. Right. And the families weren't ready for it either. So you, you run into a lot of problems like with which families have what technology at home and, and, and like which, which families have both their parents working all day. So they're not there to help their kids through the work. So there's just so much that, you don't think about till it becomes an issue. Right. Well, and so come fall, depending on what, um, what's it called? What chapter we're in, whether we're in phase. Yeah, phase, thank you. Whether we're in four or five, I mean, do you see education ever going full online in this regard? Well, um, I know what I, I can tell you what our school is doing. And I think it's what every school in Michigan is doing is it's, is dependent on like what level we're at. Like you're saying, Mm -hmm. there's certain rules that you have to follow based on that level. So if we're at like the two more severe ones, you have to be all online. If if you're higher than that, then you have some choices to make. I'm lucky enough to be at a smaller school. So if we're at any of the levels where it's okay to be in school, we're going to be there. It's not going to be that hard for us to distance and make things safe. Um, So I'm kind of lucky compared to some of the bigger schools that I know a lot of schools are kind of offering parents to choose. Do you want to send your kids or not? And then it's almost just like double work for the teacher. Right. So it's just, it's a mess. It really is. I, we, our first episode or our 
third episode we talked our second episode <laughs> i don't know our, so se- many. <laughs> <laughs> our second episode we talked all things pandemic and we touched on um just the huge amount of empathy we have towards parents kids and teachers through this because you guys are all just trying to do your best and making the best out of trying to make some lemonade <laughs> for real yeah exactly Oh, here, here's the group you should really be proud of. Those teachers that also have kids at home. Oh, well. Because am I lucky that I just am sitting home in an empty house getting my work done. But I can't, how many people I know that are also trying to help their own kids learn while teaching? It's ridiculous. Yeah, while well, they have to teach 30 other kids. Right. So yeah. you might hate me after just saying what your actual favorite parts of teaching is. But I'm a substitute teacher here for TCAPS <laughs> okay. in Travers. And so uh-huh. I get to do the fun part. I get to come in and just be like the cool sub for the day and then not grade right. any papers, not do anything. And then when the pandemic hit, it was it was wild because I had created some relationships with other teachers and just hearing and all of them are teachers that have two, three, four kids of their own and just mm-hmm. the wild adjustment they've had to make. And my email has blown up the last month talking about if we do go back to school, you know, we're going to need subs. And I don't, what I, I was asking a teacher last week, you know, what does it look like to you? She's like, I don't answer that question right now. It's just too, there's <laughs> just too much unknown. Like you can ask me on August 31st and I will let you know what my answer is. Right. And that's kind of, that's probably a smart way to answer that question. Nobody knows. Yeah. We could all make this really wonderful plan. That sounds great. And, not everyone's going to agree on it, but let's say most people do. And then next week, everything changed. Like we just, it's too unknown, but I, I definitely admire you and the work that you do because it is not at what, um, what grade do you teach even? I guess I didn't even know what you teach. Yeah. So I teach uh fifth grade through eighth grade math. Well, you do like math. You gotta <laughs> like, like math. math. <laughs> I do like math. Actually, last year was the first year that I taught just math. The previous three years or so, I was teaching just like fifth grade homeroom and teaching them all their classes. So it was interesting to make that transition. I definitely prefer where I'm at now. Oh, my Lanta. I, I would have been your nightmare of a student. Me too. When I sub, I'm like, if it's a math question, don't come up to oh me. Oh, my ask. gosh. Like, Even so now. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm like, hold on, let me get my calculator. <laughs> and that's okay. Well, yeah. it's also the ages where kids are really, you know, starting to oh my gosh. maybe challenge you a bit more. And yeah. so then you add math to the mix and they're like, no, thank you. But you're like a cool teacher. <laughs> they probably think you're a cool teacher, right? I don't know. I don't, I, I hope not. I don't want to be the cool teacher. I just want to be the teacher. <laughs> Yeah, that comes with a lot of responsibilities, doesn't it, if you're the cool teacher? Because eventually you'll be the uncool teacher. Like, no no teacher stays cool the entire time. Nope. That's true. You can never stay cool forever. (laughs) You're going to peak at some point. So when your work schedule stopped taking up so much of your day, what did you do to fill your day during the pandemic? Oh, that's a great question. Um. I took a while to, to really figure out what would be a good kind of routine. At first it was like pretty lazy. And then um, it was like, come on, Tom, like get yourself in a gear. You can't just sit on the couch all day. So I started working out a little bit more than I normally did. And um, so I tried to get into puzzles, but I couldn't. <laughs> yes. At least you tried. I tried. Well, I'm colorblind, so that does not help. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's an impossible endeavor. So I can do the parts that are like where I where it's really distinct shapes or features or whatever, but anything that's starting to look like different colors blending together, I'm basically out. Oh my gosh! <laughs> or you learn to go with the shape of the piece, you know. So you basically had to choose the really big pieces puzzles, like the kid puzzles. <laughs> Well, that we would all, well, we would try to do. This was not just me; it would be me and my roommate. So I would have some help, but we were trying to do like the thousand piece puzzles, and that. So I was, I could spend all day just kind of trying to do it and getting so frustrated. So it didn't really work for me. Yeah, I mean, color blindness isn't really a skill that you can sharpen. <laughs> no, <laughs> not really. Just a flaw. 
We definitely or, will. We're always kind of going through puzzles, aren't we? Yeah. We love puzzles, but I can imagine I get frustrated not being colorblind. So I can imagine how frustrated <laughs> I would get if I was colorblind <laughs> on top of it. It'd be so hard. It's hard. It's yeah. I mean, it's more just like I don't have the patience to figure it out. So when you have to look at them so closely. <laughs> what did you replace puzzles with then? Um, well, I brought home a big tub of Legos from my parents' house, which is something I did as a kid all the time. So Lego was something I transitioned into, um, which was fun. Let's see. That's the thing. I kind of got into this. So, so this is exactly what you guys would tell me not to do. I got into this lull of just like being okay with being kind of lazy from day to day for the most part. I did better and better as it went on, but it was pretty easy to fall into that kind of pattern of just like not doing that much. Yeah, but you gear up every day to teach, what is that, over 100 kids, I'm assuming, fifth through eighth grade math. So uh -huh. when you have that every single day and you're doing it, we like to practice balance when it comes to self-care. So we yep. are totally cool with, hey, I wake up every day and teach like our future how to do math, which is super important. Um, now I'm just going to take a little break and be lazy, take my summer break early. So I think it's good <laughs> sometimes to give yourself that break. And then through it, you've learned, hey, I actually really love seeing these kids. and I really miss seeing these kids. And it's going to probably give you a bunch of excitement to come back for yeah. fall if hopefully we can. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely true. Um, Full disclosure, I've got some pretty low self-esteem, so it's hard for me to think about my my job in that way. I don't really look at it as like I'm doing a great thing. To me, it's just how I get my paycheck. But uh, <laughs> that's my own issue. Yeah, but it's so, and that's why I think why Natalie, no, I not think, I know why Natalie and I have the relationship that we do because we both, I think most humans deal with self-esteem issues, mm -hmm. but we to others can like, to us, we're, I already know we're going to get done with this podcast and just say, oh my gosh, he's such a great guy. I mean, Natalie already knows, but now I get to know. And the, the you dedicate your entire life to, to teaching gifts. To forming the minds of humans. Yeah. So we're just over here, like jaws dropped, like, wow, he's amazing. And that's our whole like self-care, self-discovery journey of like feeling that way about ourselves. And this, that's a process that's the, your entire life. Yeah. I'm trying to feel that way, but just so you know, you got validation from us and we think you're amazing. And I mean, shit, you, what you do for those kids, they're, they're going to remember you. Like, think about it as yourself. You think about your teachers, you remember your teacher's names from, from fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. So I don't know. I think yeah. they're pretty cool. No doubt. Oh, I appreciate that. There have been so many days during this time where either Sam and I call each other and say, I don't want to do anything today. And really, like, during the quarantine time when we weren't seeing anybody and you just, it was just kind of a dark, gloomy day, time mm -hmm. at the, in the world. April so, and May in Traverse City. Yeah. And so... Yeah. We, it's nice to have somebody to say, hey, you deserve this break. And a lazy day or a lazy week doesn't make you a lazy person. And, you know, you're just taking, like, it all looks different. It, this We're all new in this whole pandemic thing. And yeah. just to practice patience with yourself and speak kindly and just know that, okay, if you take today off or, you know, like, what's one small thing that you want to accomplish? But Man, we were lazy as hell some of those days. Oh, my gosh. Definitely <laughs> just drank some days. Let's be honest. Yeah, well, no doubt. I, I can get behind that. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, do you have a drink right now? Oh, yeah. What you sipping on? I'm drinking a gin and tonic. It's been my jam this summer. Nice. We, I was really big into those, too. You have to have Natalie, next time you see her, make one of her muddled cucumber what was it mint yeah gin and tonic I, I like gin and tonics but this gin and tonic takes it to a whole nother whole nother level i started getting really artisany in my uh cocktail game in pandemic and yeah so i started getting really fancy we're drinking rosé 
again. That's <laughs> really all we drink <laughs> lately. That's nice. I could I could use one of yours, Natalie. I mine are just gin and tonic. That's it. <laughs> Do you have a specific gin that you're? It's like your go-to. I know some people when they get into a drink, it's like this is all I buy. Like my my uh, brother-in-law is like Tito's, Tito's, Tito's. Like that's what he his vodka is drinks. What do you? What's your go-to? So this this summer I've been drinking just Tangerade gin a lot just because it's cheapish. But if I feel like splurging, I'll get the Long Road. Ooh, oh, local, nice. Try to support local. Yeah, it is. It's a bit more costly to support local at times. A little bit more costly, yeah. But so I'll get the. I'll throw that in every once in a while. When you treat feel. myself. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um. So Tom, if you per se. So White Bridge Lodge is an all-inclusive seasonal resort on Elk Lake in Elk Rapids, yep. obviously. And they had to change their operations this year. Instead of being week-to-week and all-inclusive, meaning three meals a day, they changed to more of a hotel style, right? Yeah, like exactly. Book the night. Okay. So per se, they did not open, which thank goodness they did. But if they didn't, what would you have done this summer? being your first summer in 11 years that you wouldn't have been at White Birch Lodge? That's such a great question. I I often think like, okay, if this is going to be my last summer working here, what would I do? And to be honest, one of the reasons why I keep coming back here is because I don't have a good answer to that. There's, <laughs> there's not many jobs I would want to take that would be, you know, 10 weeks long where someone would hire you for 10 weeks and really do something that I would want to be doing. If, if I could financially spin it, which I might be able to, I would just travel around. There's, I have like friends from college all over the country that I would love to see and um, family all over the country that I would love to see. So if I had the luxury of not worrying about money over a summer, it would be just road trips, road trips, road trips, see a lot of cool stuff, see a lot of friends and family and just kind of enjoy the summer that way. That would be such a different year for you. I mean, that would literally be such a change. It would be great. You know that I I can't complain because I love working up here and I like my day job too. But the downfall is that normally like I'll finish my school year and within like a day or sometimes it's even been my last day of school. I drive right up here to start my summer job and then summer ends and I leave white birch normally have to leave here even a day or two early so that i can get started with my school year. so i love both jobs but i would love to have some transition time in between both of them right well yeah you go from helping others to helping others <laughs> like you get no tom time no that's a new well, not this, year. this is the summer of tom i've been saying that <laughs> yeah we're just so much less busy up here in terms of like my normal responsibilities up here are just a lot more like managing the staff and making sure that all of our operations are running well. And this year it's just a small group of us basically just making sure that our grounds look nice and working on some kind of long-term projects we've never been able to get to. So I've been calling it the summer of Tom. I love it. We might name this episode Tom time. Yeah. I <laughs> time with love Tom. That. <laughs> That's funny. Great. Yeah, I was going to ask, I mean, you just kind of touched on it, but I'm assuming your days consist a lot more of um, uh, the like human relationships. So you're teaching people how to water ski. You're telling people to go here, go there. Is it, you're, you're not really doing that as much. It's more like, hey, check in, do your own thing. Let us know if you need anything. Exactly. Like the, okay. the interaction with the guests is, is what I'm really missing about this summer. And one thing that's so special about White Birch is that we get so many people who come back year after year after year. And so I have made so many friends of all these families that come up every year. And many of them are still coming, but just because of everything that's going on this summer, we're seeing less and less of them here. And then my day-to-day job kind of keeps me away from them right. more than usual, where I would be interacting them kind of as part of my job. Now it's like I would have to go out of my way. So I definitely miss that part of it, the the connection with the guests. And it's one of the things the guests love about this place too. So I, I'm missing that for sure. 
yeah, that's what they're saying about this pandemic. Extroverts are having the hardest time. People who have that human interaction constantly, you know, you go from not being able to have it with your students and then not being able mm -hmm. to have it with your, the families that come up to the lodge where I have friends that are introverts. who are like, this is the best time of my <laughs> life. Like I'm hermiting. I don't have to see anyone. And I, for us extroverts, it's like, I, I, I crave that human interaction. You know, we, we get our energy from teaching someone how to water ski or teaching, you know, watching like the best feeling in the world is when you teach a kid a problem and they finally get it on their own. And it, there's nothing better mm -hmm. than that. So now it's like, okay, I got to get that validation and that feeling from Legos. That's going to be a hard change. That <laughs> You don't well, even know what color they are. Yeah. <laughs> that's a whole nother level. Well, Legos for the most part, I can tell them apart. <laughs> yeah. Watch it. <laughs> For the most part. A bit more specific because one solid color where the puzzles have a few different, I guess. Yeah. Exactly. Well, colorblindness is really, I think, pretty misunderstood. That. <laughs> Obviously, we're no, very we're misunderstanding it. So let's take a minute to understand it. He's like colorblindness is not blindness. So it's it's way less like I can't it's not like things look black and white. Like it's nowhere near that. Like I can see like my vision is in color. It's more like there are certain colors that I don't know what to call them or you could hold up an object. And so like, here's a, a good example would be like red, brown, orange. Those three colors can look exactly the same to me. Green could probably get thrown in there. Anyway, there are certain shades of like those colors. You could hold up an object to me and tell me this is brown. And I'd say, okay, that's brown. I just like take your word for it because I there are so many things that I just don't wouldn't know what color to call them. It just like the lines get blurred. I guess that's kind of the best way to explain it. Interesting. You have a blurred rainbow. Interesting. I guess so. here's a good example. So on a traffic signal, if it's oh. if it's a regular three light signal, I can tell red versus yellow based on their position. But if it's one of those single ones that's just blinking. Yeah. And you know how sometimes it's red and sometimes <laughs> and it's a very big difference, right? One means stop and one means like kind of yeah. slow down. So you're kind of playing a little roulette out there. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so what I try to do is I watch what the other cars are doing. And but if there's no one around, I usually oh just treat God. it as a red light and hope I don't get honked at. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy because when you said that you could kind of throw green into the red brown category, I was like, what about stoplights? So I'm very grateful for that following example. But yeah. like you said, but, you know, just by where they are on the light, you can know. But the blinking mm -hmm. ones, that is very interesting. And it is even yeah. more interesting how common, I think colorblindness is more common than we think, but how obviously us two idiots are sitting here like, yeah. oh, you can't see? Like, we don't even know. How do we How do we not know as a society the actual definition of colorblindness? So, well, society, there society probably knows, but uh, we don't. Yeah, before I saw No, I don't think society knows. I think society's behind on colorblindness. I've been saying <laughs> oh, that Oh, good. It's not just us. See? Um, we, need help. we need help in this corner. Yeah. Well, it might not come from us. So. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> well, you know, we'll you guys have a good can. excuse. It's uh, colorblindness is genetic and it's a sex linked trait. So it's more likely to be passed to boys than girls because it's oh. it's one of those XY chromosome traits. So if you're if you're a female, you have um, just XX and it's so you're more likely not to get it. You'd have to have both two recessive or two recessive genes. Yeah. Right. Um, guys are more likely to get it. So like my grandpa, my mom's dad was colorblind and out of the three boys in my family, two of us are. Oh, I, I do only know male people. I only know males that are colorblind. I only do yeah, know male people. Really. I only know male people. <laughs> but I only know people that are colorblind that are men. So that makes sense. They, well, look at this. You are a teacher. They're <laughs> you learn it so much. Get on science now. <laughs> oh my god! Before we sound more ignorant about colorblindness, change the subject. Yeah. So, are you? So Sam touched on extroverts being maybe more affected by having to be less social. Would you say mm -hmm. you're an extrovert? No, I think it's funny that Sam was saying that because I don't consider myself an extrovert. Another but, miss. 
I do think that I, but I do think I get a lot of my um, joy out of being extroverted, if that makes sense. Yeah, extroverted, like, things come back to me, like, I feel good about when I do go out of my comfort zone and do things like that, but I think I'm more comfortable just being by myself. So I feel like I'm an extroverted introvert, meaning like I enjoy being social, but I don't necessarily recharge that way. Like I don't, I recharge by being alone and having my moments of solace and connecting with myself or in a very intimate group. So like three or less. Do you feel mm-hmm. like you connect with that? Yeah, that kind of makes sense to me. Yeah, it's, I'm just keep going back to it. It's so interesting that, that Sam, you thought I was extroverted because I think of myself very much opposite of that. But, um, but I, like I said before, that's like when I, when I'm in acting most extroverted, if that makes any sense, Mm. that's when I kind of feel, that's when I get a lot of like, I feel good about that. I, I mean, my interactions with people especially like with my students. And then as we're talking about my job here, those are all things that I enjoy. But then I think, I think what you're saying makes sense, Natalie, that when I'm not doing those things, I do need kind of that downtime by myself too. Do you feel like you, when you're a teacher, you put your teacher hat on and this is who you are, you're playing that role. And then when you're a lodge counselor, a staffer, you put that role on and you know the role, you know the resume, you know the job and you're that person. Or do you feel, and then in your downtime, you're Tom. Mm-hmm. That no, that I, I see what you're saying. I think, um, so in my head, I'd rather be myself in every role. That just seems easier to me. And obviously I can't be a teacher and be my normal self having a gin and tonic at 4.30 in the <laughs> afternoon. But I, but I think like just in terms of like how I interact and stuff. So I guess a better way to explain it would be like when I started working at here, my first couple summers, I was like kind of shy and didn't make a ton of friends. I guess it's more like the very beginning of my first summer. So it's kind of like I'm slow to warm to a situation, but what, when I finally do, I, I would rather just kind of be myself in every situation. And so like my job here, that's definitely happens. Like white birch Tom is the same as Tom Tom, but, uh, and teaching, I've only been teaching for four and a half, five years. It just feels like maybe not quite there yet, but, um, I would like to be. I love that. I love that. I think this has really opened my brain to the whole extrovert and introvert and who you are conversation because I've always been like, I was a little, when my parents moved into a neighborhood at three, I was a little girl at the end of the driveway, like introducing myself to people. So everyone always called me an extrovert since I was three years old. But I do, mm-hmm. I mean, you know this better than anyone. I spend my mornings by myself regaining my energy to go out into the world and be my, so I'm an extrovert introvert too then by your de- definition. So I think our next podcast is going to have to be <laughs> the difference between an extrovert and introvert because when I hear your story, Tom, and know what you do, I can't imagine an introvert doing your job just from what I was raised knowing what extrovert is because mm-hmm. I think, okay, he gives seven to eight hours a day to kids. And I know as a teacher, you take that shit home. It's not just like, oh, I just don't think about the kids all night. Like if someone had a bad day, you're thinking about it. Um, yep. And then same thing at your, at the lodge. So in my head, I'm thinking, wow. So now my brain's just racing excitedly about like, wow, so much to learn about the definition of those things and how many other people think they're an extrovert and maybe they aren't or how we label people. Like I just labeled Tom and oh, you're this way. And he's like, you don't know me at all. That's not me at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's so interesting. I learn something new every day. <laughs> I think that lens, I think that lends itself a lot to nothing's black and white. We like to look at everything as this way or that way, but nothing really is. Everything's gray. Yeah. We're all somewhere in between. Right. So Sam has a terminology that she uses and I've now implemented, but I 
correct myself on it all the time because it's creating a habit. But instead of saying you're this, but something, she says you're this and something. So you're collectively it all. It's not sure. putting a negative tone on it. So it's kind of playing into that grayscale. Um, mm-hmm. You're a lot of things. And I yeah. actually, I learned that from therapy where I kept saying, well, this person's this way, but they're also really great. And she kept telling me, no, this person is really great. And they're an asshole sometimes. Right. So by you <laughs> saying they're really great, but you take away from when they're not okay. And you, you create the shame and this guilt to yourself for talking about someone when we as humans need to be able to believe and know that uh, most of us are both of those things at times. So I love that you say the whole gray thing. It's, it's a, it's another great topic to talk about how we are constantly going through this life thinking it has to be this way or that way. And really it can probably be for the most part graying in the middle. Mm-hmm. So we're big into self-care. <laughs> I'm not sure yeah. if you can tell. <laughs> um, do you, are you familiar with self-care? Well, it seems pretty broad. So yeah, I think so. When you heard the, so we, I can't remember who it was, but one of Natalie's friends said, Hey, Tom Crest wants to be on the the podcast. When you listened to it, what intrigued you? What, you know, did you hear that you were like, Oh, cool. Or was it just like, Oh, that sounds like a cool conversation to do. I I don't have any time for puzzles anymore. I got to do something else. (laughs) Well, I think it's just, I think it's an interesting topic to talk about for how, people care and think about themselves. I, I think it's a really big deal. And if like, if, if more people had a, like a really healthy, good way about thinking about and caring for themselves, a lot of problems might go away in our society. But um, and not to say that I'm good at any of this stuff. Like I was saying before, I, I think like I slack off on this self care all the time. So, I mean, I'm, I'm looking just as much to tell you what I do as much as I am for some advice. Okay. I love everything you just said because it's so true. And I think we learned that in the hard way, a lot of ways I, I spent many years being a really crappy human because I wasn't giving myself the right care or attention or addressing issues that I had stuffed under my rug and I was tripping over them. Um, so then I was hurting other people or just being a really crappy version of myself. And like you said, I think a lot of people could just be better people by focusing on what's going on inside of them and then acting out later. Um, do you have any self-care practices currently? So my big my big one is the cold shower, and I don't know how self care this is, but I'll explain to you the concept behind it. So I heard about this idea years ago from a old radio show, and um, it's just the idea of jumping in the shower every morning and jumping into cold water. But like your initial thought would be, okay, it's to wake you up and get you like energized for the day. But really, that's not what it's about. It's more like I'm going to start every single one of my days doing something that I know I don't want to do just so I can prove myself right away that I'm doing something that, so now the rest of my day I'll do whatever shows up that I don't want to do. I mean, it doesn't really matter what I want to do. Sometimes you just have to do things. So it's, to me, it's more like a mindset thing, like turn the water to freezing cold and just go stand under there for a few minutes and even though you know it's going to be terrible and it's going to be freezing and there's not really any great benefits to it, just do it anyway. And it, so to me, it's more about like a mindset. Okay. Yeah, I, I think you're more the teacher here <laughs> and the students. I love that. Yeah, it's so cool because I'm sure, and I wanted to ask you when you said that, have you noticed kind of a difference? And so when did you start? You obviously said you listened to it a few years ago. Is it something mm-hmm. that you practice maybe when you're feeling like you are defeated and you need the um, motivation to do something you're scared to do? Or is it something you actually do every morning? Or, you know, tell us a bit more about how often you do it or when you do it. Um, 
So like during my school year, it's like every morning when my routine is like shower every day before I go to work up here, I'm more like go to work and then shower later because the, the transition has shifted to you're going to be dirty after work, not before work. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so I'll guess I'll talk more to like when I'm at school. So yeah, I try to do it every day. And the biggest reason for that is like, if you take like three, four, five days off from doing it, it becomes exponentially harder to, to jump in that cold shower the next day. It doesn't take long from kind of taking days off for it to be really, really difficult. So I just kind of try to create it as part of my routine. You are affirming the whole reason we named this podcast, the daily process, not the weekly process, not the monthly process, not the yearly process. Not when it feels so good process, the this shit ain't easy and I love that so do you feel like it has transitioned into then you have a stronger or more settled mindset when you approach things that you don't want to do I think so I've got I've got kind of like a baseline of kind of being pretty easygoing roll with the punches so it that hasn't really been like an issue for me but um I do think it has. It, it's just more like my attitude. It, it makes you like, you know, even if you're not complaining out loud, complaining to yourself is like just as bad. You're only going to make yourself feel crummy. So if, if you, it's just, I just try to make it so much about my mindset towards things I don't want to do, jobs I don't want to do, uh, situation at school I don't want to deal with. It's just, well, you have to. Right. I love that. Yeah, your self journey, I think, is so much more or farther than you think, because I, I just think about when you're working on something like I'm just going to use myself as an example. If I'm trying to get through a certain problem, if I work on it every day, it's like anything. It's practicing a new sport, practicing a new instrument, whatever, or working on a relationship. If you do it every day. It, it gets easier. But if you take a week off and you try to come back and do it, you're like, oh, shit, where do I start? I feel so uncomfortable talking about this. Like, oh, I'm not going to jump in that cold shower. Like, I don't want to do it. It's freezing instead of like, hey, you did this yesterday. So if you did it yesterday, you can do it today. Yeah, exactly. That's it's so much about like just psyching yourself up. And it's it's crazy how easy it is. Said it's almost frustrating. Like I took two days off from a cold shower, and now I'm being the biggest wuss about it <laughs> yeah. ever. But it, it's consistency is key. Well, totally, and it's it, your inner voice, or like I guess your negative inner voice might win. You might not ever take another cold shower again if you wait a week because you just don't want to. And so it's yeah, a good test, sure. and I. So my cold shower would be me speaking positively to myself in the mirror every morning because Same. I suffer from low self-esteem and just I'm a cynical realist and borderline masochist. So I just I don't think very positive thoughts about myself all the time. And like you said, the like negativity is just systemic. Like it doesn't feel good to feel that. And whether you're thinking it or saying it about yourself, um, it just kind of takes over. And so I would then say positive things. And at first I started, I mean, I felt so weird and like a loser saying these things in the mirror of like, I forced myself to write down positive things that I liked about myself. And then I would say them. And I, I was home alone because I just <laughs> I couldn't do that in front of anybody. And, <laughs> but eventually it just started becoming a habit and then you start believing them because I was saying these negative things about myself therefore I was believing them so I was like well if I believe the negative things I can probably believe the positive things so I just started saying them and believing them and now it's not so much I have to take the time out of the day to do it in front of the mirror I can say it to myself or write them down or look at my reminder in my phone or whatever but it really is like creating a habit to change your thinking process. That I love that about the cold showers. <laughs> yeah, that's. I like how you said that. That's like your cold shower. It's like everyone should find their cold shower. Find something that's difficult for you to do every day, and then just do yes. it. Yes. And hopefully it helps you. But just that's, do it. I can. I 
I'm like in love with both of you so much because <laughs> right now, because it's so true. And that's, I can second the positive affirmations in the mirror because same for me, like I have super low self-esteem about my skin color, super pale, called ghost all throughout grade school in that fifth to eighth grade where you teach now of just like the worst time to get made fun of. And I'll find myself, like, I, I, I love sure. who I am. I'm a hundred percent practice self-care, but these long winters up here by April, May, I'm like, you are a see-through ugly person. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then you're thinking, if you heard any of your friends or your students or anyone in your life say that about themselves, you would go right to them and say, how dare you? But here you are saying it to yourself. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to circle back to talking to you about, Tom, where self-esteem actually substitute teaching has helped me a ton because I realized I was talking to my nephews, my students. I mean, I was teaching anywhere from um, preschool, special ed to seniors in high school. And I was telling all these kids, believe in yourself. You're strong enough. You can do this. And all of a sudden I got home and I'm like, you're a hypocrite. You're not, you're not saying this to yourself. You're not telling yourself to be strong or that you can get through it. You're telling these kids to do it. When does it stop? When there isn't a teacher to tell you to do it, you know, we have to teach ourselves to say it. So I just, I, I feel like your line of everyone find their old, their cold shower is perfect because self-care looks so different. I mean, I've researched self-care one trillion times at least, <laughs> and I've never heard anything about cold showers. And now I'm like, I will start that tomorrow <laughs> I know because everyone has something different <laughs> that works for them. And that's why we love this podcast and why I wanted to do it because we learn just as much as maybe the person we're interviewing, if not more. And today I've learned so much. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's a really awesome. approachable um, micro step, micro step with like a colossal footprint because it's so simple and easy and it doesn't, you can't really make an excuse as to why you aren't doing it. Just turn the handle the other way. Mm -hmm. And boom, right. you did it. Right. That's why I like it. You're basically doing part of your daily routine just very slightly differently. I'm turning clockwise instead of <laughs> counterclockwise. Yes. Did you hear the radio show and start doing it instantly? Or was it something that you were like, oh, I'm going to try this now? I heard that a while ago. I wonder if it will work for me. Uh, so, like, so I, I would say I like dabbled into it right away. And then, it, and like, it's not easy to do every morning. It's like, it's pretty <laughs> shitty to just get in freezing cold water and just stand in there. It's not like start it on warm and slowly make it cold. It's glass cold water and jump in and hope that you're okay. So yeah, I mean, I would, I would dabble into it and do it, you know, infrequently for the first six months or whatever. But uh, the last like two, two and a half years, it's been pretty close to every day. Dang. Do you have a, um, like what goes through your head when you're in the cold shower? Just wash myself <laughs> as fast as I can so I can get out of here. Do you typically take the whole shower? Basically nothing. If I can, um, it depends on, honestly, it depends on how long my hair is. <laughs> I know that's a stupid answer. But uh, if I've got nice short hair and I barely have to wash my hair, I can be in and out of the shower in two and a half minutes anyway, warm or cold. So um, when the hair gets longer and I got to really wash my hair, then, <laughs> then it gets tougher. Maybe maybe I turn it to about room temp yeah, before I get out. Deep condition. <laughs> yeah, because I'm thinking of when I'm like super hot on like the days where we don't have air conditioning. So once in 96, the first minute on my shower cold is amazing and then i'm like get me the hell out of here i gotta turn it up so i'm just thinking of you like in the morning especially whoa this is gonna be such a hard new thing i gotta try i, know, I gotta try it too well you know i i think the but the thing is like the part that's benefiting you is really just that initial get in maybe a minute or two minutes and then sure turn it back up to warm and take an actual shower because I think the benefit is you taking that leap of just saying, I don't care. I'm getting under this shower, freezing cold water. It doesn't I matter. Did it. And there is very strong health benefits to taking cold showers. Actually, it's like severe temperature changes. So if you do like 
warm to cold in your shower shows it I mean cold mm-hmm. i mean just the change of temperature reduces uh, inflammation and stuff like that so there are health benefits to it as well but i actually like the mindset thing better i do it i do it purely for the mind but i like to know that there's health benefits yeah. too well yeah it's like you said so i'm doing double what too. I'm yeah. doing double self care. We now. asked you if you knew what it was, and you're like, "It's vague." And more like you're the master. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm the master of nothing. I just think it's so cool to think that you get in there and you really like. I mean, this is uh, we've talked about this a couple of times, and we need to do a full episode on it about reprogram reprogramming your brain and how us going into the mirror, uh, going up in front of the mirror, telling ourselves that we're beautiful, we genuinely can reprogram our brain to believe that. And you going into a cold shower, you generally can reprogram your brain that I can do anything that seems hard. I can do anything that I think I might not, that I might not be able to accomplish. So it's actually like triple self-care because not only are you reprogramming your brain, you're getting health benefits. It's crazy. Like you're doing all these things where it's like, dang, I'm starting to take cold showers tomorrow. (laughs) It takes two minutes. Well, my ears also down to my ass, so I think I might be a little bit longer than yours. <laughs> well, you're allowed to turn it back to lukewarm right. eventually. Here you go, the cold shower master. Yeah, Tom Cross. Time with time. <laughs> you have Tom time. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, Tom, thank you so much for joining us and being transparent. And vulnerable yeah. about what, everything you've been through and sharing awesome. your experience. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. I had so much fun. Awesome. Thanks again for all the work you do with kids and teaching and the lodge. And we hope that the rest of your 2020 goes well and you can kind of get back to your routine come fall. And just thanks for all the tips. You taught us a lot today. Well, you're welcome. I hope to see you guys at Town Club soon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bye. We'll see you there soon. Bye-bye.